Oh, good. We're taking a tour of Twig's Guide to the SE Language. And today we're going to look at what to, what to do with clients whom every time you try to help them recognize something positive, they balk. You know, they, no, you don't get it. Or, um, yeah, but, or, uh, no, I didn't notice. Like, how is it when you, as an SE practitioner, are kind of dedicated, you're dedicated to pendulation. You've kind of made some solemn vow to support and facilitate pendulation. And how are you going to help somebody experience variation in their experience and their lived experience when their attention is so regularly, easily, consistently pulled towards some negative bias, some feeling of stuckness, some consistent or repetitive signal of pain, some sense that things don't change, some notion that it would be uh, a waste of time to pay attention to anything positive because the overwhelming attraction of the negative, the amount of the negative, the pain is so great, the noise, that's the way that I often think of it, the noise going on inside of my system is so disturbing, the neuroception of danger is calling my attention in so many ways or so loudly or with such insistence that to, to bring my attention out to notice a relieving moment, a positive action, a helpfulness from somebody, a kindness, a relief, a, uh, a moment of, of not as bad, it, it'd be like, well, that's too far with all of the jangle that's going on inside of me. And as the practitioners, you, you might have this going on at times yourself, are often kind of want for what to do. What, what do you do? Because you're, you're dedicated to pendulation and you're trying to help this person notice these differences and these related elements of their experience. And even, even when a person has said something potentially positive and you try to call attention to it, in order to support that noticing of pendulation or oscillation or some differences there, um, you, it just, it can so easily get shut down. What, what are you to do? So, you know, I made this guide to the SE language. It's a very sequential study. It is, it's actually a sequential study of like, you know, when we're talking with folks from the perspective that their autonomic nervous system is heavily influencing their attention and their quality and freedom of attention, and that the autonomic nervous system in its kind of survival responses and its psychobiological nature and everything kind of trends people's attention in particular kind of ways. And from that 
Porgesian, really, polyvagal perspective, we can, in SE, like, kind of relate to people with more nuance and skillfulness than simply using the primary lines that we learn in the SE training when we're practicing with other people who already appreciate the value and, um, and can make the translation of those lines like just notice what you feel right now, or how do you notice that right now, or be with that right now, all of which are sensible requests once a person is involved in the process. As they're becoming involved in the process, if we jump towards certain requests too early, people stall, feel left out, feel failure for not being able to answer our requests, or in this case, feel affronted that we're asking them to notice something positive when their primary attention is caught up in something negative. And we often call those, of course, like the counter vortex and the trauma vortex or the blue vortex and the red vortex. In the language guide, I use the red vortex language quite a lot and also at times the trauma vortex language. So let me take a little tour with you. We'll just go inside here, a little tour of the inside of the guide to the SE language which, by the way, I'll mention just real quick. This is a four-fee program, and for the early part of 2020, as I re-release the guide in version two, I'm making a kind of a deal about it, trying to get more people to engage with me around it. That helps both you, I hope, that's my intention, and also my work helps me to support what I'm doing on SE Reflections and helps me to create other things in other places. So your financial support is really super Super appreciated at this time. That said, there's a free trial version. It lasts for a day, but some people do use it multiple times. And I've always had a process in my work of not turning people away for lack of funds. So this is one way that I do that with uh, access to the guide to the SE language, so that, that day trial version. So coming back in here, going past the, um, say, the dashboard, the sign-in process, from inside the guide, I've just pulled out a few uh, chapters that are topical to what we're talking about in this little tour. Um, for example, types of questions. Here's a chapter inside the guide. We're just going to jump in uh, that we play, like, way through here. I offer a menu. Oh, maybe it's like this. Okay, or something else. If they can't answer that, I come in and I offer a constrained this or that. After that, I have a good sense of where I should start. When I'm asking things, I should make the questions very simple, this or that. If they were able to answer menus, I'm continuing to give them menus until they don't really need that anymore, and then I'm going over to open questions. Another route is simply to start from the more constrained questions, get success there, and start opening up to menus, and then start opening up to opening questions. So you can kind of go in either direction. Open questions, oh, can't answer it, give them a menu. Oh, menu, can't answer it. Oh, give them an open menu that's easier to answer. Oh, can't do that. Okay, get a constrained question, right? Oh, can't do that. Probably just going to be entertaining and holding their attention in some kind of otherwise helpful way. On the other hand, you could just start from constraining it and then opening it to menus and then opening it to open questions. Probably uh, what determines which one of those you might choose would be the kind of the relative resiliency that you see somebody walk in with. You know, when you hear a person's life story and you hear the way they talk and you, and you see their, their kind of like attraction toward 
getting shut down, feeling like they can't answer things and everything, you might just make it very simple to start with. Somebody else, they're displaying a lot of easiness and competency and and they're kind of like, okay, I, I can be here and I can totally engage and it, it's totally possible for me to do that. At that point, you just can go to the open questions whenever it kind of starts to fumble. Maybe they don't yet understand what you mean by, by what do you notice right now inside or whatever entry you might be using. Then you could just come down to menus and then go back to open questions when it's appropriate. So three different styles of questions, at least in one formulation, the one you're getting from me right now. Three different styles of questions that are kind of meant to match people who are in like the higher resiliency state, in the medium, like need a little bit of help, but can still get back to their own autonomy to, okay, really need to kind of usher in, still keeping this person with a bit of, you know, opportunity to say no, but at the same time, giving them definitely like limited options so that they have a, a certain kind of narrowing of path that they might be more successful with. Yeah. Yeah. Now, why, why that one? Look, if we're going to bring people into their experience who are reluctant to do it or positive experience where they're reluctant to do it, and that's what we're talking about, not that pendulation is easy. It's that the pendulation for this person is hard for them to let themselves participate. If we burn burn is the word I choose there. If we burn our, our questions by asking questions that reproduce the same result, meaning we ask, what do you notice now? Or can you notice that positive thing? Keeping on task here. Can you notice that positive thing? And they say, no, you don't get it. I have all this discomfort. I'm not noticing that positive thing or something that means that. If we do that again and again, we're burning our opportunities to ask a question where the person pays attention to it in a new kind of way or like actually pays attention to what we're asking rather than just assuming that they already don't like our question. So we have to know that our questions are adjustable, that we can guide the success of questions or answering our questions by choosing what kinds of questions we ask. And this is a, a central language issue with SE that we don't just always ask open questions, which is likely the kind of question we would like to ask if we could. But a lot of times we're dealing with all that noise and people need a more narrow um, request on their attention to notice something that yes, okay, in this case, toward the positive, and we have to look at like other things that are in play to help that positive be helped or brought out, but to get it to where the person can bring their attention to it rather than get caught by all the other things. An open question, just to reiterate this, allows people to notice everything. And if they're being called by a lot of other noise in their experience, they notice those things rather than the positive that you're hoping they'll notice. So if we don't constrain the question over toward helping them to notice this positive thing, then they'll get caught by all this other noise. So therefore we have to adjust our questions. So that's one chapter that kind of bringing some of these chapters together to look at how they deal with SE themes. Let's look at another one here. This is 
preempting the red vortex, preempting the trauma vortex. Um, this is uh, a little piece we'll take a look at here. They hear the opposite. They hear, oh, you know, she hears my pain. He hears my pain. Like rather than just say, oh, do you notice that positive thing? Say, oh, you know, I know there's this this negative thing and then there's this other negative thing and then there's this other problem and, and we're going to talk about that. And at the same time that those are those are like totally here and they're we can't just like ignore them at the same time do things get like just a tiny little bit less like noisy inside right now as we're sitting here and our and our bodies are just kind of like sitting in these chairs a little bit now that's the exact same thing that's more relaxed but for somebody who's red vortex devoted they don't get into alarm that you're trying to make them feel better instead they hear that you're holding the entirety of what's actually holding their attention. You're respecting the challenge that they're in and you're still looking for the titration, the mitigated way of getting them to be able to kind of say, oh yeah, I, I feel a little less tense, which is the exact same thing as saying, I feel a little bit better, but it's just worded for a way that somebody who is pretty far over on the pretty you know distressed side of things makes it easier for them to say yes to it so preempting the red you you just kind of say the red things first you can say part of it you can say a lot of it you can say just a little bit of it you can even just kind of change the language from being toward the positive side of change toward the less negative side of things however you do that if you're with somebody who's red vortex devoted Help them say yes. Okay, which a lot of times, right? It's, uh, harder done, easier said than done. But you see uh, a couple things that I'm pointing at in there. When somebody, I, I use the phrase red vortex devoted and there's a chapter that goes over it. I probably could have used a different phrase than that. Um, but you certainly feel the attraction of the, of the neuroception of danger calling people's attention and so we see that as the attraction to the trauma vortex the red vortex to the exclusion at times of any other signals any signals that could be considered positive or good or better so to call attention to it is to get this pushback or pullback to the uh, you don't understand my pain and so i'm going over several themes in there around that and one of them is mitigation and we'll take a look at at that here in recognizing that what you're requesting of people needs to be scaled to something that they can say yes to and be successful with so that it's structured for success. One of the great tools to help you do that is by kind of experiencing the, the range of how you can soften a request or mitigate it, make it more accessible, make it more like doable, how you can mitigate what you're requesting of somebody so that if you're asking, for a person to notice some part of them that is becoming more at ease, say relaxing, right? And you you say to them, oh, you know, do you feel yourself relaxing now? And some people, of course, will kind of like tighten up against that. You know, when you see that, or if you can predict that that's gonna happen, it's a good time to mitigate that down, to soften it down, so that there could be the sense of relaxing. And on one side of it, it could be that the sense of relaxing is things becoming a little bit like less tense, things becoming 
even a little bit less than less, which might be like a tiny little bit, not as tense. You know, you could you could start to move all the way down a scale that says, you know, are things even like the tiniest, 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 tiniest little tiny bit like not as tense. And now that's all moving down the side of things being unpleasant, tense, but it could also move over to the relaxing side of like, are things just a tiny little bit easier? Are things t like a bit easier? Are things more at ease? Are things getting easier now? That entire scale, recognizing that all kinds of things that you're saying one place on might have an adjustment that it could become easier for somebody to accept or easier for you to match their scale of experience or for you to be able to kind of get a piece of reflection that is just easily assimilable and then moves on. So, oh, it, it kind of isn't quite as, as tense now. Oh, so as, as it's not quite as, as tense, like what happens next? Mitigation language, you're going to see this all the time. You want to you wanna get good at not being icky about it and like using it, particularly the small, small, small stuff unnecessarily. But at the same time, it's a lifesaver when people aren't able to accept just the norm of say relaxation and it needs to be, hey, you know, at this moment as we're coming to the end of these elements in the language and we're gonna, we're gonna move on to like language that we use to enter the body experience, does it seem like things get like just a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit um, like more assured that you're going in the right direction? Oh, they, they do. Oh, great. Well, in that case, I'll look forward to seeing you next time when we start looking at why and when and how we can use the phrases that help people enter into their body experience. Great. All right. Yeah, he's enthusiastic. So one one more piece that we're not going to review here, but it was right on there was that um, matching the scale of experience, which in the podcast, SE Reflections podcast, I did an episode called the just right amount of positive reflection. So I think I think this is what I'd do here. I'd say, look, Amongst all the other ways that you might go about trying to help people notice the positive when they're overly or heavily dominated or attracted to the negative, and that's not a personality comment, that's a nervous system comment. When their nervous system has their attention regularly reinforcing, attending to signals of distress, and your task, part of your job, part of your desire, is to help them notice and have some quality of pendulation. If we bring in a few of the things that we've just been talking about here, we can kind of like say, okay, well, one, I wanna make sure that the questions I ask into that positive are made to be small enough that they'll, they could say yes to it, that the, that the positive thing is just right amount of positive reflection. It's not too big a deal. Is that relaxing? No, no, we'd want to mitigate it. We'd want to make it like, you know, is that a tiny little bit not as bad right now? Is that a tiny little bit easier somehow? Is that just like a smidge softer? Hey, do things get like a little lighter right now? We'd want for some variation 
that makes it so that the thing is small enough that the person doesn't say, well, you're trying to make it a bigger deal than it is. When I have all this other stuff that I know what a big deal is, this is calling my attention. You're trying to make a big deal out of this thing that's nothing in comparison. Why not just get a success out of the smaller bit of it, have that amount of pendulation, help that to grow rather than once again getting no from trying to get too much. So the just right amount of positive reflection and the mitigation language can really help for that, as well as another chapter that was there called Matching the Scale of Experience, which is something to say like, you know, how, how big a deal is this and whether or not we try to make it a slightly bigger deal to call their attention to it, or whether or not we help to, we say it's a smaller deal so that they might claim it as the deal that it actually is, or we try to be really congruent with how big a deal it is, even though that that might be, in fact, needing our language to be like, is it even like 0.000001% not as bad as it was a moment ago, or as it was on Tuesday, something like that to be able to get a big enough difference, even if it's a small enough difference, to say yes to it. So there's another part in here that to try to call any of that attention over to the positive, while the noise and discomfort of the negative is so real and at hand, we often need to reflect, hey, I hear your pain. Like we that preempt the red by, by saying, look, I... I know that this is bad still, and I know that this is uncomfortable still, and I know that on Tuesday it was the worst. And even though we know that those things are there at the same time as we know those things are there, and even that, but I just heard myself say, even though, I was like, oh my gosh. No, no, you got to be watchful of those kinds of words. You got to be super watchful of those kinds of words. It's like, wow, I know Tuesday was the, was just the worst, and you know, as I see, it's like my own mouth wants to do it, but I'd have to be cautious. I'd have to be super cautious because I don't want to negate the fact that I hear your pain about Tuesday by trying to call your attention to something positive on here Thursday for a moment while we're sitting here together. Hear what I'm saying? I'm saying like when we preempt the red, we have to be authentic about it. We have to I hear your pain isn't just a line to get through in order to come back to name the positive. And so we have to be watchful of our words that we're not saying things that would say something like, yeah, I hear your pain, but notice this positive thing. Mm -mm, we wouldn't want to say that. We'd want to say, wow, I hear your pain and that's real. And at the same time that that's real, can I ask you a now constrained question about this mitigated amount, this much of it, titrating like that kind of like getting to the level that you can say yes to the just right amount of positive reflection while still allowing that all of this is actually what has your attention. And so we're only trying to have this for the just right amount of time, the just right amount that we get to see some amount of pendulation in that. And not every time that I ask you into your experience particularly into your positive experience? Does it irk you or remind you that I am trying to kind of do something that you feel tricked by or something? Now, that said, all that is a kind of trick, right? It's a kind of a trick. 
And the guide to the SE language, one of the things I take on in there is that a lot of our communication strategies, a lot of what helps us be successful practitioners is guiding people's attention and not always exposing how and why we're saying what we're saying. And sometimes kind of being a little sideways thoughtful, which is actually like a trick to have this person pause for a moment while we kind of look for what we're going to say as one little example of like, our task is to guide people's attention. And we can't always do that by coming straight out, we might end up meeting their normal anticipated responses. Like when we say, hey, will you pay attention to this positive thing? And they say no, we might have to become more sophisticated at how we call attention to that positive thing. And the uh, guide to the SE language, which is at sereflections.com. You can find it in the offerings page. Drill down in there and you'll find the guide to the SE language. It's a uh, full program to look at all these different nuances together. And the earliest part of 2020, January, February, March, I'm going to be meeting with people online and um, taking these ideas further. And then hopefully meeting with you out in the world as time goes on. But I'll be in my studio right here talking with you in your world through the computer. That's true. That's a little odd, but I hope it'll be helpful to you. It's certainly been helpful to me to have these um, insights into how we communicate best with folks. I'd like to share them with you. Okay. I hope you're well out there. We'll call it close to this. I'll do another tour of the SE gu guide to the SE language tomorrow.